Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Netanyahu goes all biblical, all Old Testament. Hitherto better known for his partying lifestyle, he has become born again, and the Old Testament is being dusted down and inadequately, incompletely quoted. All to cloak what is a biblical massacre, what is a pestilence, famine, and disease being visited on the inhabitants of a concentration camp. 2.2 million of them, with nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. All around and from the sea and the sky, death is being delivered to the refugees in the Gaza Strip. People to whom Israel owes a legal obligation to protect them. People of whom the United Nations has a legal obligation to protect them. But nobody is protecting them. The slaughter of the innocents being cut down like daisies as they mow the lawn in Gaza is well underway. And frankly, if you're still supporting the murder of nearly 3,500 children in less than 30 days, you need locking up. You should be on a register somewhere, not sitting in government, in parliament, on the bench at The Guardian or in a television studio. You've come to the right place if you want to hear the truth about Israel-Palestine with some of the best guests, some of the best calls, and if I may say so, what's going to be a powerful monologue by yours truly. Oh, and by the way, I'm probably running to be mayor of London. More of that also soon. It's the mother of all talk shows. Stay tuned. You are listening to the mother of all talk shows podcast with George Galloway. Benjamin Netanyahu comes from the Jabotinsky side of Zionism. There's nothing religious about that side of Zionism, and they have never pretended otherwise. Jabotinsky was the acme of a virulent nationalist movement. He was openly modeling his movement, of which Netanyahu is the heir on the fascist formations in Italy, in Spain, and even in Germany. Jabotinsky spawned the likes of Menachem Begin and Yitzhak Shamir, who murdered British soldiers and civil servants in the King David Hotel, or hanging by wire in the orange groves around Jaffa. The people who murdered Count Bernadotte of Sweden, the United Nations special envoy to then Palestine. They murdered them in cold blood and then became Prime Minister of Israel. They murdered Lord Moyne, 
from the British Parliament. They were narrowly thwarted several times in trying to murder Winston Churchill, even whilst Churchill battled with the Hitlerite hordes as the Prime Minister of Britain. A Spitfire pilot narrowly thwarted a bid to blow up the British Foreign Office. Modern-day terrorism was invented by the Jabotinsky, Shamir, Begin, Netanyahu side of Zionist politics. You don't need to know all that. You don't need to recall, as I unfortunately have and must recall, every blow that was struck in the terrorist campaign against Britain and against the Palestinian people mounted by this noxious political movement. But the one thing you do need to remember is there was nothing religious about it. Indeed, the entire Zionist project was founded by people under the leadership of Theodore Herzl, who had no religion at all. Virtually every single one of them was a declared and avowed atheist. Why does that matter? It matters for two reasons, one historical and one contemporary this very day. It matters historically because all these atheists were united on only one thing. They didn't believe that God existed, but they believed that God promised them the land of the Palestinians that was called Palestine on every map. Every title deed of every square inch of land was entitled Palestine. The people who lived there, whether they were Muslims, Christians, or Jews, were all Palestinians. If can, you can still see now on the iron covers of the drains the words Palestine, you could still see until recent decades post boxes marked Palestine and indeed with the king's arms, the king's uh, logo uh, upon them. It's important contemporaneously because this is what Netanyahu, the party-going premier of Israel, said today. You must remember what Amalek has done to you, says our holy Bible, says Netanyahu. He doesn't, of course, complete the quote, which I will, from Samuel 15, 3, quote, Now go, attack the Amalekites, and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, suckling, the verbs said, suckling infants and their cattle, and their sheep, and their camels, and their donkeys. So there you have it, Benjamin Netanyahu, using your money and with the support of your government, is going to kill all the men, women, children, suckling, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys in the Gaza Strip. You comfortable with that? You comfortable, Joe Biden, with that? Not that the Palestinians were the Amalekites. Of course, they no longer exist, but the Palestinians in Gaza will do because they are determined, as documents leaked today, 
made clear to drive all 2.2 million Palestinians into the desert, the Sinai Desert, sounding more and more Old Testament with every sentence that I utter, isn't it? You comfortable with that? All you Christians out there, you comfortable with that? Are you comfortable with that, all you Muslim leaders, never done warning and threatening, wagging your fingers if we are lucky? You comfortable with that? The so-called Western world, you comfortable with the fact that there is going to be a biblical massacre and the extirpation the extermination, let me use the word properly, in relation to an open-air concentration camp, the extermination of 2.2 million people. You comfortable with that? Because it's being done in your name. Don't blame Netanyahu. He's a known mass murderer. That's like blaming Peter Sutcliffe for his latest murder. Sutcliffe was a mass sadistic murderer and so is Benjamin Netanyahu and he's been showing it for decades. And all you liberal journalists were not shy of saying so. Even just a few weeks ago, even in the month of October, before the 7th of October, you were not shy in giving your support to the mass movement on the streets of Israel to get rid of this mass sadistic murderer called Benjamin Netanyahu, who's just told you what he's going to do, put to death men, women, children, suckling infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. So don't say that you were not warned. Don't say that he deceived you. He tells you what he's going to do, and your government gives it diplomatic cover at the United Nations, gives it money, billions upon billions of money, gives it weapons, and sends your soldiers there to help him do it. There are 47 warships of the NATO powers currently in the Eastern Mediterranean. Bit of target practice coming up there, I predict. And even in the next hours, coming from, well, you know where. The American Special Forces, the Delta Force, are actually in Israel because crazy Joe Biden took a picture of himself shaking hands with them in Israel. A three star American general is sitting in the Israeli war cabinet. Other generals are advising haha, on the success of Fallujah in Iraq. We're using poison gas and slaughtering thousands with earth shattering and world changing consequences in the impulse to the creation of ISIS and the alphabet soup of Islamist fanaticism the Americans in charge of Fallujah are now in Israel advising on how to storm the refugee camps of Gaza. You comfortable with that? You're paying for it.
Your propaganda is in for it. Your media is the mouthpiece for it. Your regulatory authorities are taking down the television stations that dare to show what's actually happening. Al Jazeera, owned by the king of Qatar, who in turn owns about 30% of the blue chip property in London, a Western satrapy which houses the biggest American military base in the whole world, which has normalized its relations with Israel. It has a television station called Al Jazeera, and the British just took it off the air. You've got to go online looking for it if you want to watch Al Jazeera. That's having taken down many other television stations, closed down many other voices for peace and justice in the Middle East over these last months. You comfortable with that? These people that were never done telling you how civilized they were, how the West was a garden, has now begun a reign of terror against its own citizens, right to know what's being done on their dime in their name. Their own citizens' right to protest in their own streets, wearing whatever clothes they determine to wear. You comfortable with that? Now, in the time available to me, I want to give you a potted history lesson. Because I am sick of the sheep-like bray, actually more like a rat-like squeak that I hear and read on social media. Hamas, Hamas, Hamas. It's Hamas. It's all down to Hamas. I want to give you some facts. Not least because I've always been an opponent of Hamas. And I was there, a veteran of Palestinian affairs, before Hamas ever existed. Here's some things you do need to retain and use. The Nakba, the catastrophe which befell the Palestinian people, was in 1948. Write these numbers down. 1948. 800,000 Palestinians were driven from their land, from their houses, from their fields. Many of them, most of them, from their country altogether. Others were massacred in infamous massacres like Deir Yassin. Others slaughtered in smaller numbers, their villages burned and broken and new Israeli settlements ultimately built on top of them. 1948. The PLO was not formed until 1964, almost 20 years later. In that almost 20 years, Israel carried out ethnic cleansing on a grand scale against the Palestinian people when they had no fighting organization, even a twinkle in the eye of Yasser Arafat, an undefended Palestinian people. Between 1948 and 1964, 
were ruthlessly, brutally extirpated where possible. Then the PLO came along. It was entirely secular. I know I was as close to it as it was possible to be. Yasser Arafat was like my older brother, even my father. I sat a thousand times in his company. They were a secular mass movement rooted in the then resurgent liberation struggle in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America. They were a part of the camp of Patrice Lumumba. They were a part of the people of Benbella. They were a part of the people of Sandino. They were a part of the liberation movements, Frelimo, MPLA, and other freedom fighters all over the world. There was nothing Islamist about them at all. That was in 1964. Three years later, all of the West Bank, all of East Jerusalem, and all of the Gaza Strip was illegally, violently, militarily occupied by the State of Israel in 1967. Write that number down. 1967. Still no Hamas, PLO, three years old and not remotely able to rise up to their responsibility of defending the territories that were conquered illegally by Israel three years later in 1967 and which have been held in illegal military occupation ever since 1967. It's now towards the end of 2000. And 23. Between 1967 and the foundation of Hamas in 1987, a full 20 years later, the Palestinian population in the occupied territories seized in 1967 were ruthlessly extirpated, annihilated, driven into refugee camps many of them in Gaza, until this day and night, until that refugee camp too is destroyed. There was no Hamas. There was no Islamists. But that didn't stop Israel imprisoning, deporting, murdering, torturing, and disinheriting hundreds of thousands of Palestinians. There was no Hamas to blame then because Hamas didn't exist until and I was there at the delivery. I was in Gaza whilst the new baby Hamas was being delivered in plain sight in 1987. I was there. All the PLO people were in jail, or in the graveyard, or in exile, declared totally illegal, unable to show their faces or lift their heads 
But Hamas were facilitated by the Israeli occupation during that period, running up to the foundation of Hamas in 1987. Everywhere, vans, minibuses, kindergartens, clinics, schools of the Islamic movement called Hamas under the nose of the Israeli occupation. Why did Israel do that? They wanted to divide the Palestinian people. They wanted to split the support for the PLO and divert a part of it to the Muslim Brotherhood School of Islam, of which Hamas was then and is now a part. They're not Hamas. Hamas are not ISIS. Hamas are not Al-Qaeda. They're the Muslim Brotherhood, which the British helped to bring into being in Egypt in the 1950s in order to weaken President Nasser, another leftist nationalist figure. You're beginning to see a pattern here. But just like Dr. Frankenstein, of course, once they had built Hamas, it quickly moved out of their control and became the dominant military political force defending the Palestinian people, particularly in Gaza. So don't try and tell me this is all about Hamas or this is all about Islamism because Israel was committing all of these crimes long before Hamas or Islamism ever existed in the Palestinian arena. And bringing it quickly up to date, Israel is murdering people in the West Bank right now, this minute. There's no Hamas in the West Bank. They're in Gaza. If Israel's fighting Hamas, why are they killing people in the West Bank every single day? And I've only time to say less than I wanted about one emblematic person who sums up this story I have just told you. Shireen Abu Akli was a Christian, Palestinian, American woman, journalist, who was murdered by the Israeli forces on the West Bank last year who then attacked her coffin on its way into the church. I'm sure you saw that footage, if you're a regular viewer here. If they were fighting Hamas, why did they murder a Christian, Palestinian, American woman, broadcast journalist, and then attack and desecrate her funeral? causing her coffin almost to fall down, her body, God forgive me, rattling about inside her coffin. Why did they do that if their enemy was Hamas? And you know what they did two days ago? They invaded the very street where they murdered Shireen, tore down any sign of her, and broke her monument into pieces.
So no more. I don't want to hear your mindless prattle about Hamas. Stay tuned. This is going to be the mother of all talk shows. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Already 32,315 people have voted. Is Israel committing genocide in Gaza? Yes or no? Now, I'm privileged to know well uh, our first guest who joins us from the occupied West Bank of Palestine this evening. Uh, under extraordinarily difficult uh, conditions. He's a member of the Palestinian parliament. He's a medical doctor. He's also perhaps the most famous independent political figure in the Palestinian arena. He is Dr. Mustafa Barghouti, and he joins us now. For the first time, I think, on the mother of all talk shows, Dr. Mustafa, uh, marvelous to see you again. just summarize first, uh, did all this take you by surprise? There's been an attrition against the Palestinian people for many, many decades. Uh, but it's a long time since the Old Testament was brought out and uh, the, the uh, absolute extermination of your people was openly stated as an objective tonight by Netanyahu on television. Well, the answer to your question, uh, George, and it's good to be with you, uh, the answer is that uh, yes and no, actually. Yes, from the perspective that uh, I knew very well that uh, what is Israeli plan about. Uh, we knew that uh, this Israeli government with uh, people like Smotrich and Ben-Gvir uh, and Netanyahu has only one plan, which is the total extermination of the people and the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians from all of Palestine. And, uh, and uh, the, 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 that's what Smotrich said several times. He said uh, very clearly that uh, Israel will fill the West Bank with settlers and settlements so that Palestinians would lose any hope of a state of their own. And uh, that uh, then we will have to choose between immigration, which is ethnic cleansing, or accepting a life of subjugation to Israelis, which is apartheid, or die, as he said, which is genocide. And uh, I think what we witness today is the Israeli solution to the biggest problem the Zionist movement has faced, 
which is that, you know, the Zionist movement is built on two columns. One is uh, uh, taking the land by force, which they did. And the second one is to get rid of the Palestinians, which they couldn't finish. And uh, to their greatest surprise, regardless of the fact that there are 7 million Palestinians as refugees, the number of Palestinians on the land of Palestine uh, has become even bigger than the number of Israeli Jewish people. So what you see today in Gaza is the implementation of that plan of solving the demographic problem by ethnic cleansing. They will start with Gaza. They are already starting in Area C in the West Bank, which is 60%. Already 21 communities have been evicted by Israeli settlers' terror. And the ultimate goal is eviction of everybody from West Bank and from Gaza. What surprised us, and that is the no aspect in response to your question, is that we never, I never thought that the world community, including uh, the Western governments that all the time speak about democracy and human rights, will be so, uh, many of them will be even participating in an act of ethnic cleansing in the 21st century. And that's exactly what's happening by the, the British government and the United States government. Not only they are complicit with war crimes, they are participating in them. And that, that of course, is uh, absolutely shocking uh, even when they watch a situation where Palestinian children are slaughtered around the clock, to deliver that uh, Save the Children has just issued a statement saying that the number of Palestinian children killed in three weeks by Israel is greater than the numbers of all children killed all over the world in, the, in all the wars in the last three years, including the war in Ukraine. Of course, I don't want to go into explaining the double standard here when you compare Ukraine and Palestine. I think everybody knows that. But it is really shocking that all these governments that speak about democracy and human rights are complicit in an act of ethnic cleansing and barbaric genocide against the Palestinian civilian population now in Gaza. It is the ultimate in asymmetry, isn't it? Uh, there are 7 million Palestinians uh, and there are more Palestinians than Israelis uh, on the territory of what was once uh, all of Palestine from the famous river to the famous sea. Uh, but the Israeli side has the world's most powerful countries on its side and whilst nominally the Palestinian people have the support of most countries in the world, none of them are either ready or apparently able uh, to come to the aid of the Palestinian people. And thus we have this grotesque spectacle of the Eastern Mediterranean chock full of, uh, of, of Western uh, warships uh, whilst oil is going from Azerbaijan across Turkey into Israel uninterrupted, whilst the Turkish people are out in their millions in solidarity uh, with you. It's particularly hard to swallow all that, isn't it? Of course. And uh, more than that, I was just speaking on uh, 
another network a few minutes ago, and I said that uh, if Israel is not allowing a drop of fuel to Gaza, uh, the Arab countries must send a message to the United States that as long as not a single drop of fuel goes to Gaza, not a single drop of oil will come from us to you, the United States. This would have been an honorable position. And that's the least they could do. I'm not asking, we're not asking, before we talk about Turkey, let's talk about Arab countries. We're not asking Arab countries to send armies to fight Israel. We know this is not only unrealistic, but it's impossible. But we are asking them at least to do two things. First of all, to, to establish a convoy and maybe invite other internationals and international organizations and challenge the Israeli siege on Gaza because Rafah is, is, is a crossing with Egypt. It's not with Israel. And challenge them and let Israel do what they want. I mean, this would be... And say we will send the humanitarian aid to Palestinians, because all we've got so far is 100 trucks, while the real need is 1,200 trucks of, of everything, and not a single drop of fuel. And the other thing would be to say to the world and to the Western countries, you will not get Arab oil as long as Palestinians are besieged in Gaza and as long as you are conducting this terrible war on the people. You are absolutely right, George, because you are describing a discrepancy between people's positions and government's positions. And that's, I, 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 I'm not pessimistic. I think the public pressure will make a difference eventually. And that's why we should sustain and enhance and increase this public pressure. And the atrocity in this case and the the injustice is not new. You, we, we all remember what happened to the people of Algeria when they struggled against the French colonialism. How much Vietnam suffered to be free from the American aggression. Uh, it's a long story of struggle of people against colonialism. And what we do now is nothing different from all these wonderful struggles of people who eventually got their freedom. And I am sure we will get our freedom, whatever the cost is. There is no way we can give up or accept a life of subjugation to Israeli enslavement and apartheid. The West Bank, which is not Hamas, of course, is, as you described, uh, in the grip now of the very same ethnic cleansing. While the world is uh, fixated on Gaza, uh, whole villages of Palestinians are closing down and their people uh, being forced to leave by violent settler uh, activity. We call them settlers. They, they, they came usually from Brooklyn and, and, and Russia and elsewhere. They are heavily armed. They kill whom they want under the noses of the uh, official occupation army. Uh, and this includes the, the holy places, of course. Uh, ethnic cleansing in Jerusalem, the blockade of Bethlehem. Uh, these are places, if you want to talk about the Bible, uh, that shine brightly in the Bible. Why are the Christian leaders in the world so silent about what's happening in their own holy land? Uh, many of them are not. And uh, I think the Pope has just issued a declaration demanding immediate ceasefire. 
many church leaders uh, in different countries of the world are taking the right stand, but the Christian governors and the presidents and prime ministers are the problem. And of course here, the persecution is affecting not only the Muslim Palestinians, but also the Christian Palestinians. A uh, very good uh, proof to that is what happened to the oldest third church in the world in Gaza, which was bombarded, killing many, many Palestinians there. Uh, before this whole thing started, uh, people don't, I mean, so stupid that some journalists and some media people talk about the situation as if history here started on the 7th of October. But uh, let me tell you not about what happened since 48 or 67. Uh, and as Guterres said, this is 56 years of Israeli occupation. But let's talk about what happened the last eight months of this year. During the last eight months, before the war broke out in Gaza, Israeli army and settlers killed 248 Palestinians in the West Bank, including 40 children. During these eight months, the Israeli army allowed attacks on the Aqsa Mosque and trying to change its nature. They allowed attacks on, 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 on churches in Jerusalem. Uh, the, church, the, the, the Christian clerks were spit at by Israeli extremists. Even tourists who came from other countries who went to the, uh, to the uh, Holy Sabrican Church were also exposed to Israeli violence. And on top of that, Israel was sending one message. We will end the Palestinian issue through normalization with the Arab countries. And one thing that the whole world overlooked uh, purposefully, I guess, is that Netanyahu just a few weeks before this war started went to the United Nations in the General Assembly and took and showed the world the map of the new Middle East, painting all the Arab countries he wants to normalize with or normalize with in green, and then in the heart, the state of Israel in blue, and the state of Israel includes the annexation of all of the West Bank the annexation of the Golan Syrian Heights, and the annexation of Gaza Strip. That was the map he showed to the world. And, 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 and this, all of this provoked, of course, the reaction from the Palestinian side. It didn't come just out of nothing. And uh, that's why I think it is so important now to, to remind everybody that the people of Palestine have been apartheid to ethnic cleansing, to occupation, the longest occupation in modern history. And they have the right to resist. They have the right by international law to resist the occupation and to resist injustice. Dr. Mustafa, uh, we were both young men when we first met. Now we're not so young, but we're uh, still struggling. God willing, we'll win in the end. Thank you very much indeed for joining us from Ramallah. Dr. Mustafa Barghouti, Member of Parliament, medical doctor, and the uh, leader of the Palestinian National Initiative. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Mohammed Hijab is co-founder of the Sapiens Institute. 
He's an author of note, a political commentator who is right at the sharp edge of these issues. I've been following him now on social media. Time to introduce him to you if you have not yet met him. Mohammed, thanks for uh, joining us and congratulations on some uh, great work, uh, including schooling uh, the multimillionaire uh, Piers Morgan on the multi-billionaire Rupert Murdoch's uh, television uh, show. Tell us, first of all, what that was like. Well, thank you for that. And I wanted to actually congratulate you as well um, for your indefatigability, the word that you use all the time, and your resilience, in fact, your patience and your courage on this issue, on the Palestine issue. I think that um, you, the, you. the community has noted, the community has noted that you have been a close ally uh, on these matters, and we really respect uh, your work on the Palestine issue. I think that your work in the last 20 years is probably in the United Kingdom context, the most notable work, and your resilience and strength against some of the far-right elements of our society has also been noteworthy. So I wanted to okay. put that to you. Second thing, in most terms kind. of peer... Thank you. Yeah, in terms of peers, I, I I would categorize him as a person who is um, who has heavy hands but a, a glass jaw, in the sense that if you really put him, <laughs> if you ask him questions, if you you know in a corner, he will find it difficult to answer the questions that he likes to ask everybody else. Um, and the reason for that is is simply because he 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 doesn't actually have. He's not morally consistent. He's only strategically consistent. You mentioned yourself, his uh, kind of connections with uh, Rupert Murdoch and uh, all these kinds of organizations that he's worked with. Uh, it has been said that the reason why he's acting in this way, and he can't bring himself to condemn the killing of civilians in Gaza, the most, one of the most populated areas in the world with civilians, is because he knows that that will get under the skin of his, uh, his masters, uh, which shows lack of backbone. It shows lack of integrity. Uh, that he's not integrous, he's not morally um, principled in that manner. Uh, and in fact, it shows that he's he's not, he doesn't have a moral compass uh, and that anyone could uh, maybe give him money uh, to say whatever he they want him to say. I'm afraid that's true. But you put him behind the eight ball uh, as Americans uh, who play that vulgar game of pool uh, will recognize. Uh, you snookered them as we would say, in the United Kingdom. Uh, when you turned the question round, you asked him, will you condemn the Israeli Defense Force killing of thousands of Palestinian children? And he couldn't even answer that. No, I mean, he hasn't even answered that, even after that uh, interview. And the reason why it's, it's very clear for anyone to know and see is because of his ideological and or financial uh, commitments. I mean, if we're being honest about the situation, right? I mean, if we say that killing a child, I mean, this is a very simple argument. I mean, we can make it. Killing a child, whether Palestinian or Jewish, Arab or Jewish, or black or white, whatever it may be, is a bad thing, okay? Uh, so killing one black child, killing one white child is, is, is equally bad. Killing one Palestinian child, killing one Jewish child is equally bad. Then it would make sense then, using that kind of logic, that the more children that you kill, the worse it is. And so the IDF has been killing more children. Therefore, they've been they're, they're worse than any um, anyone else in the, in this conflict. Whether whether one wants to invoke Hamas or Hezbollah or any other entity, Islamic Jihad, 
if we're talking about the killing of civilian deaths, there's no doubt that there's been more, you've mentioned it before I came on, civilian deaths that have been killed from the Palestinian side and historically from the uh, disengagement in 2006 of, of Palestine, the so-called disengagement, because in fact, they've still maintained effective military control in, in, in international relation, in international law terms. Oh. Um, in 2006, all these operations that they've conducted from caste-led to protective edge, and every three to four years, what they call mowing the lawn or killing the people or subduing the populations there, uh, if we're just counting bodies, effectively, if we're just counting bodies, there's no way anyone can make an argument if you believe that the human life of a child who is a Jew and the human life of a child who's an Arab is equal, that baby is equal to that baby, this race is equal to this race. There's no one, uh, no way anyone can make an argument that in fact, um, that any other party other than the IDF is is most criminal here. Now, uh, when I started uh, in this cause in 1975, precisely, uh, you could have fitted all of mm. the people who were ready to say they were with the PLO uh, into this room that I'm sitting in, which is not very large, and room for a, an elephant at yep. the back of it, uh, at the worst mm. of times. Uh, now, Hyde Park could not contain all of the British people who want to take to the streets and demonstrate their support for Palestine. And if you add those they left at home who can't or won't go on demonstrations and so on. Now we are millions and millions in the United Kingdom, and we are now producing, uh, as if from nowhere, uh, people of the eloquence of you and the courage of you. And there are many of you now, I'm seeing them, not least on, on Piers Morgan. Uh, I mean, low-key, uh, I mean, he's United Nations class, he's world class. Uh, and, you know, when I first knew him, he was a rapper. Uh, now he's a political statesman. In other words, what I'm saying is, we're growing uh, in, in quantity, but we're also growing in quality. And new leaders, new speakers like you are coming forward. You've expressed uh, similar uh, thoughts I saw today. Uh, and made the point that it is causing some consternation amongst the establishment, that people they bring on, maybe thinking there'll be a punch bag, turn out to be brilliantly eloquent and informed. This is new, isn't it? Absolutely. First of all, thank you for all the compliments. I, I really do uh, appreciate them. The new guard cannot have done what they're doing unless the old guard... Uh, which is people like yourself, in fact, done what they done, and uh, it's no doubt in, in my mind. I remember being a you know a child in in, in secondary school or a teenager, and uh, and seeing your coverage and your responses, for example, to the two thousand and six war in Lebanon, and the way you there was a particular reporter that you really put on the back foot, doing exactly the same things and techniques that I've employed. So once again, I. Thank you for all the compliments, but um, I have to put to you as well that you've laid the foundations, actually, for this, which shows you the importance of intergenerational work. In terms of the PLO, I think it's good that you mentioned them, because the PLO it really represent an organization that have tried with the peace talks and that have tried going through you know, the Oslo Accords and these kind of things. And uh, lo and behold, what we're finding is that the Palestinian issue 
even though there have been non-violent attempts to try and resolve the situation, have not found resolutions. I mean, we talk about the Oslo Accords, but people don't realize because now Hamas, for example, is being used as a scapegoat that there are, for example, the West Bank is bereft of uh, Hamas. There is no Hamas in the West Bank. They, they have no uh, effect there at all. And yet, and we have the Palestinian Authority there, which the PLO was part of and then became the PA. Still, you have 44 children being killed in this year alone, according to UN reports, children before the conflict emerged. And so what we're, we're seeing is Palestinian life is is being is being cheapened by by people uh, in this country. It's being uh, it's being seen as lesser than. And in fact, uh, I think this is what we're we're facing. We're facing actually. You talked about race before you came on. There was a segment talking about your own anti-racial politics. I have to put to you that I think that if you believe in an apartheid system, which many people are saying we support Israel and these kind of things. I don't know to what extent they support Israel, because if they support Israel unequivocally and comprehensively and in everything that they do, then they should also they they would be implicit complicit in supporting Israel and their racism as well. I mean, there it's an apartheid system, not just according to Human Rights Watch and Betzalem and uh, Amnesty International and even bodies of the UN. But if you look at the law, because in 1973 there was a, the UN had an apartheid convention. And of, of the things, conditions, there was eight conditions that were laid down. One of the conditions that were laid down for something to be called apartheid is that uh, it would have to be, uh, it would have to have laws that discriminate on the basis of race. If one just takes one example, which is the right of return law, the Aliyah, it effectively says you have the right to return if you're, if you're a Jew, okay? And if you convert, by the way, to Christianity or to Islam, uh, that right of return is actually uh, is relinquished or is, is rescinded or whatever it may be. And so you lose the right to return if you convert. This is just this example alone, which no one can deny because it's entrenched within the, the, the statute books of Israeli law. This example alone, it shows you clearly that Israel is an apartheid state, just in the same way as South Africa was. In fact, there's a very good book that was written on this uh, topic about the secret um, allegiance between Allah, uh, b between South Africa and, and Israel. The, the, the point being here is that you have people like Piers Morgan who claim to be anti-racist. You have people across the political spectrum who claim to be racist, but then they talk about supporting Israel unequivocally. And I don't see how that actually works. How does it work when you've got when you've got communities of people, Palestinian people, who are being uh, imprisoned? in the West Bank without any, you got you got a thousand children in prisons in the West Bank I mean you have yeah, um yeah. you have children being killed as we've mentioned we, we have all, we have Gaza we have a blockade going on and there's a reason why Gaza and the West Bank are not part of uh, an Israeli state not that we're proposing a one-state solution but that this should be put on the table that if Gaza with a 2.2 million population and the West Bank with a 3.2 uh, million population of uh, Arabs were consumed into an Israeli state, you'd have a majority of Arabs actually in Israel. And if you have a Knesset which has a PR system with proportional representation, then they couldn't they couldn't do this. So in order to try and subjugate the Palestinians, they can't have them as part of the state. They can't have a two-state solution. So they effectively have to have them between two uh, situations. A, uh, situation A is uh, they can't be part of the state and situation B is they can't have their own statehood. So 
here, this is, if not apartheid, uh, even worse than actually apartheid, because I don't think South Africa had this state of affairs where, you know, 10,000 people were killed in 22 days in this in this way. Uh, and so people that are on this side of history that they're talking about sp- supporting Israel's right to defend itself, and, and that's all they're talking about, and they won't even bring themselves like peers to condemn Israel. I have to ask the question, I mean, how could you support, how could it be conceivable? How is it intelligible? How is it conceivable? How is it conceptually possible to believe to support unequivocally a state like Israel, and and not to to be racist? Because to 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 be an apartheid supporter is it not a prerequisite to be a racist that you believe it's legitimate to discriminate on the basis of race? And I think this should be the new narrative. The new narrative should be if if one has unequivocal support, and that is a big conditional because not many people have unconditional support. But if people have unconditional support to the state of Israel, they should be questioned about whether or not they actually are racist people. Well, the leader of the Labour Party, the leader of Her Majesty's opposition, used exactly your word, unequivocal. My support for Mm. Israel is unequivocal. And that same person, uh, Sir Kid Starver, uh, said that Israel had the right to cut off water, electricity, and food from the occupied territories. And he is a king's counsel. You couldn't get a more senior lawyer than him. Now, unless he's masquerading as a lawyer, he obviously knew that Israel did not have the right to do this. That to do this would be unequivocally illegal. But he still supported them. And he's the leader of the Labour Party. I have seen him come out and try and retract some of those statements or try and clarify them. But you're right. In the first instance, it was quite clear what he said on LBC radio. And this is a scandal, if if anything could be said about it at all. It's a, it's a scandalous state of affairs for someone like Keir Starmer, who's, by the way, I mean, in terms of the Muslim population, um, cancelled um, uh, iftar events that he had in, in Ramadan. He has shown the cold, cold, cold shoulder to the Muslim community, uh, complete disrespect. I can't see how anyone would, from the Muslim community after this would vote for him or vote for his party. He's really alienated the Muslim community. And with this, his support, as you mentioned, using the term unequivocal, then I would question him on this very matter. I'll tell you, look, there's laws that are entrenched. We're not even talking about issues that can be disputed. Like, for example, the El Hilal uh, uh, Mustashfa, the, the 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 hospital in Gaza, where they said that that was misfiring of this or that, which is a ridiculous proposition anyway. But these things, there's a level of let's say um, insignificant doubt that one one can employ. But when we talk about laws which are entrenched and one can refer to them, they're digitized and they're online, like the right of return, the property, the absentee property laws, which allow a disproportionate ability for, for example. Uh, Israeli Jewish people in, in, in West Bank and other places to t- effectively seize property that would otherwise be for Arab people. There's settlements and these kind of things which have been consistently said to be um, against international law. And then after that, the killing of civilians and the war crimes that are being committed, which go against Geneva 4, which go against uh, all kinds of principles in international law. If people can't speak up about these kind of things, we must question their integrity. We must question whether or not they're, they're racist. Because I don't say it's I, I want to know how it's possible if apartheid is defined as discrimination, or at least a prerequisite of it is discrimination based on race. How could it be possible for a people to support a state which is effectively an apartheid state without having as a prerequisite of that 
an accept or a legitimization of uh, racial politics or racism, racism in politics or racism in, in 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 law. So they should be questioned, and I think this is a way in which um, I, we will separate the men from the boys directly. I mean. How, do you support these apartheid laws or do you condemn them? And that's another question we can ask them. Can you Do you support the, the right of return, which is uh, only for Jewish Do you support the, the laws on, uh, for example, property, which which are discriminatory to, to Arabs? Do you support the settlements? Do you support the war crimes? You so, because once again, all these things show that these, the international establishment is moving towards uh, racism, effectively, which is cheapening the lives of the Palestinian people comparative to uh, Jewish people. And this is, I think, it's actually scandalous. Mohammed Hijab, you've been marvellous. I knew you would be. Thanks for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. It's your show now, right up to the end, after this very short break. You have to remember back in 2002, 2003, there was a wish by George Bush for regime change. That's what was driving him. Nothing to do with weapons of mass destruction, which of course didn't exist in Iraq. So they had to construct some sort of formula, some sort of cover story, in order to persuade the British public that intervention in Iraq was right. Now, David Kelly, uh, as an expert in weapons of mass destruction, knew that uh, this was untrue. He knew that there were probably no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. That was a guy that could have brought down, that was a guy that could have brought down the whole system. I reckon you're chaff. You've been thrown up to divert uh, our probing. The Foreign Affairs Select Committee, that um, parliamentarian briefing, I think that was an indignity to him. We saw it on the news, and my very first thought was shock. Um, oh, my God, you know, this man is in the eye of the media hurricane. Uh, he should be protected by that, at least. Have you got that on your hands, Prime Minister? Are you going to resign over this? I don't know the details of how Lord Hutton happened to be selected, but what was certainly the case is that he was the right kind of judge to use from the point of view of Dining Street and the intelligence services as well. Of the 21 days of hearing, only one half of one day was spent on discussing the forensic aspects. That is disgusting. We were given the Hutton report the day before. It was published. But actually what happened was he went too far. The events of 2003 were disgraceful ones in this country's history, and it's unfinished business. Those responsible for an illegal war, those responsible for the death of David Kelly, have not been brought to justice. There's been no inquest into David Kelly's death. There needs to be one. We need to make sure that those who behaved in a reprehensible way in 2003 are finally brought to book. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. So if you support me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash George Galloway, you get Killing Kelly and my earlier film, The Killings of Tony Blair, absolutely free. And that'll cost you the price of a cup of tea in an insalubrious cafe per week. I hope you think I'm worth it. I'm really counting on you supporting me on Patreon. It's very easy to do and it's cheap to do. And I'm not asking you for too much, I think, given the scale of events and the scale of the work that Moats is doing 
please support me, patreon.com forward slash George Galloway. The poll is now officially a record poll. 39,510 people. Just for some peculiar symmetry, I'd love that to be 40,000 by the end of the show. 39,510 have answered the question, is Israel committing genocide in Gaza with an overwhelming yes? But let's make it big so they can't ignore us. Uh, your Patreon comments, I'm prioritizing Patreon comments uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, Dr. Sam, 74, who's a Moats graduate and supporter of mine on Patreon. I see no clear objective to the current killing of innocent civilians. If they consider themselves real soldiers in the IDF, they would have a clear plan to move civilians out of harm's way, but quite the opposite. It seems the presence of Hamas serves their agenda very well in giving them carte blanche to extinguish an entire nation. Very beautifully put, Dr. Sam, uh, for sure. And Liam says an illegal occupation whose exclusive nature and religious justification does not allow for sharing. The logic, an apartheid state, and the ultimate removal of the original population. Lord have mercy on them. Uh, Stan Koblicki, who's a new patron, thank you, Stan. Israel is turning into that what it was escaping in the past. Tragic. And Chris Bishop, who's a Moats legend, that's the highest level of supporter, uh, says it's obvious that Israel is committing genocide on a large scale using American weapons. The US and UK are as guilty as Israel because they're doing nothing to stop this cruel madness. If you ever believed in the devil, he is at work here. Chris, the devil is present in the world. Be sure of that. And this email from Pale Scotchy, what a great name, says, as a patron and avid follower of Moats, I would like to ask the following question. It is clear that the events and horrific scenes we have all witnessed by the hands of the Israeli military over the past weeks has got the world's attention. Does Israel consider that even if it wins the military conquest in Gaza and Palestine, it will only result in even more security issues for the remainder of this century? Things will never be the same for Israel, even if it wins. I think that's brilliantly observed. You may have seen a survey this week that showed that I think something like 80% of the fighters of the Palestinian resistance had lost one or both of their parents in previous Israeli assaults on Gaza. Stig is in Finland. On you go, Stig. Yes. Yes, I'm from Vasa in Finland, a town at the Gulf of Botnia. Okay. Yes, um, I have, okay, go ahead. I have been I have been following the issue of Palestine for a very very long time and I have also um, earlier when I when I lived in southern, more the southern parts of Finland I was also active in the uh, Finnish Arab Friendship Society so uh, I have been well pretty disturbed to watch what's been going on in Gaza in the 
latest weeks now. I mean, of course, the situation has not been good before either, but now it has become really, really horrific. And, uh, uh, well, I mean, I'm just appalled by this enormous hypocrisy of of these uh, Western power elites. I mean, uh, they are saying that, uh, uh, well, they don't seem to have anything to object with regard to the slaughter that Israel is performing on the civilian population in Gaza, exactly as, in the same way as they didn't have anything to say about the, the eight years of unprovoked slaughter of the civilian population in Donbass that Ukraine was perpetrating before before Russia intervened. So, I mean, mm-hmm. well... exactly. Hypocrisy is not even strong enough a word, is it? It's, it's a kind of uh, uh, psychopathic illness. Yes, yes. And I mean, uh, really, when you see this, uh, I mean, and the media is really sick uh, throughout the Western world. I mean, for example, here in, uh, here in Finland, uh, we have uh, all, all the media are are trying to well well i mean they haven't been uh, completely denying <laughs> denying what israel is doing now but uh, but i mean with regard to donbass they have uh, had a total blackout i mean uh, when you follow finnish media you get the impression that uh, that uh, russia is the villain and uh, and uh, the ukrainians are the saints despite the fact that they have these the Nazi battalions and that uh, they celebrate uh, Nazi genociders like uh, Stepan Bandera, Mikola Lebed and uh, Roman Shushkevich, people who killed hundreds and hundreds of thousands of civilians, Jews, uh, Russians and Poles. This is very interesting when you look at how Poland has been sending arms to this regime. They are sending arms to a regime that is uh, having as their national heroes, number one, people who murdered hundreds of thousands of Polish people, Polish yeah. civilians during yeah. World War Two. <laughs> and guess what, Poland, uh, guess what, Ukraine opposed a ceasefire in Gaza. Color me shocked. The last call of the evening is from a very dearly beloved legend of ours, Norma in Bristol. Norma, last call to you. What would you like to say? Take your time. Hello. Yeah, I know it's never much time. Hello, George. Um, no, it's just I was going to say that years ago there was like the MPs like Tony, Ben, Alice, Marne, Tam DL, Robin Cook. I knew they would have had the backbone to have demanded the truth or ceasefire in no uncertain terms, but our present leaders, they're so weak and they're wrong. But, you know, the only person that, well, not the only one, but um, has spoken out uh, quite powerfully, Saeed Varsi, um, who is now a peer, but she used to be a former Tory minister, and she's been speaking out very strongly. Cabinet minister and former chair yeah. of the Conservative Party. Yeah, that's true, yeah. She's there been better there... than any of the Labour politicians, any of them. She has, yeah, yeah. Well, Jeremy Corbyn has, but... There was another man, I can't remember him, and you know, he's an old, he's dead now, the Jewish one who supported the Palestinian cause. 
Um, and Sir Gerald Kaufman, may God rest it, his soul. Yeah. Sir Gerald Kaufman yeah, uh, was a dear yeah. friend of mine, uh, sadly departed. Uh, he's the man who said in Parliament, my grandmother didn't die at the hands of the Nazi stormtroopers in Poland uh, so that Israeli soldiers could murder other people's grandmothers in their beds in refugee camps and in the squalor and misery of the Palestinian diaspora. Sir Gerald was hated uh, by the Zionists of which once he had been a part. Sir Gerald Kaufman was one of those who changed his mind, who uh, took the line of, of Groucho Marx and me. When the facts change, so do my opinions. How about you? Said Groucho, said Sir Gerald, and say I uh, to you. You may well have not been as absorbed by or supportive of the Palestinian cause as I and my guests and many of those watching this evening have been and are. There's no reason to feel guilty about that. If Netanyahu can quote the Bible, so can I. There is more rejoicing in heaven if a single sinner doth repent than of the 99% who hath no need of repentance. If you have been in two minds, if you simply didn't know enough, now you know. This is the issue. Uh, this is the time. I firmly believe that it will be remembered in history forever. Who did what? Who said what? Who stood for what in this carnage, this slaughter of the innocents? 41,393 people voted in the poll, a new record for the mother of all talk shows. More than 220 telephone calls were received. 38 emails, including from Burundi and from Greece. I'm sorry for those that didn't get on the air. Please keep trying. The earlier you call on Wednesday when I'm back, the more chance you have of getting on the air. I'll be back, God willing, on Wednesday at the slightly later time of 9 p.m. UK time. Do check, please, the uh, clocks changing in different places, different dates at this point in time. But if uh, I'm still standing, I'll be here in my normal place on the mother of all talk shows on Wednesday at 9 p.m. I hope to see you there.